Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of March 15, 2015. Dan Spoon of Orlando, Florida, joins us this week on page two of Sound Prince. Dan is co-chair of the ACB Resource and Development Committee, and he tells us about some new and updated opportunities for people to support ACB. Each March, the American Printing House for the Blind presents a reader's theater. No costumes, no props for the plays, just actors reading their scripts in Braille. The 2015 Reader's Theater happened this weekend, and on page 3 we catch up to Dave Trevino as he stops by the GLCB Games and Crafts Night following the Friday evening performance of his original play at APH. Deanna Scoggins is an accomplished musician. She entertains at several retirement centers around Louisville each week. We chat with Deanna on page 4 about how she developed these volunteer and paid opportunities. We invited folks to participate in a recipe exchange at this past week's Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Friday evening activities. Some people shared recipes, but we spent much of the time sharing tips and ideas on easy food preparation and a few healthy eating tips as well. Here are excerpts on page 5. And on page 6 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. I'm speaking with Dan Spoon, who's from Orlando, Florida, and who is the co-chair of the Resource Development Committee with ACB. And Dan is with us today to talk about a couple of exciting fundraisers that we have going uh, at this time, uh, have actually ongoing. And so we're glad you're with us, Dan, and um, tell us about some of these neat things that are coming up. Well, Carla, thanks so much for uh, uh, allowing us to be on today. It's always great to uh, uh, have a little time on Sound Prince, and uh, we really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, we are uh, pretty excited that uh, with this year's uh, convention, uh, we're going to uh, have our sixth annual ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. And this year, for the first time ever, it's actually going to be hosted in the hotel at the downtown Sheraton in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it's going to be on Sunday morning, uh, bright and early. Got to be down there at <laughs> 7 o'clock. But you don't have to ride a bus to get there. Yeah, that's going to be fun. You can come down in your PJs, just go straight down the elevator, keep those, uh, you know, uh, uh, Snoopy slippers on and come on <laughs> down and walk right. if you want to. That's right. Yeah, and it's kind of, this is the second year uh, that we're going to actually uh, allow the state and special interest affiliates to split up to 50% of the money they raise in their affiliate teams uh, with their local affiliate, and then the other up to 50% would go back to ACB. So we did this for the first time last year in uh, Las Vegas, and the walk raised over $37,000, and we had 22 walk teams. So. We're really excited about growing again this year and get, trying to get over that $40,000 mark and see if we can get to at least 25 teams. Well, it was a very fun event last year. Kentucky participated with a team, and that was uh, actually the first time we'd had a, a, a formal team uh, 
other than the 2012 convention where the walk was here. So naturally, we would have had quite a few walkers. And um, it was it was just a really fun event. And the fact that the affiliates can use it as a fundraiser, um, I think it's just such a, a good opportunity for ACB and the affiliates to partner in an area that's important to us all, and that is raising money for the work that we do. It really is. It's a way for, for both the, the state and the, and the national level to have just have a good time and, uh, and raise, some, raise some money. So uh, ha- has Kentucky come up with their team name for this year? We have. Last year we were the Kentucky Racers. Mm-hmm. But you know, most of our walkers were virtual walkers okay. uh, and people who just support it. So this year we're the Kentucky E-Racers. Ooh. <laughs> Still well, R-A-C-E-R-S, but we're the E-Racers. <laughs> well, I hope the Kentucky E-Racers don't wipe out the Florida Hurricanes because we're coming at you. Well, don't. You, I'll tell you what. Texas. You all can just blow us right along down the path at the walk site. We'll, we'll be happy to get in front of those hurricanes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. So, yeah, any, anything people could do to, to get involved in the walk, we'd, we'd love to have you. Like I said, it's going to be indoors, so it won't be hot. We're going to walk over the skywalks and around the Plaza of the America mm-hmm. indoor courtyard and then back to the convention center. So should be convenient for everybody, and uh, it just should be a, a lot of fun. It's going to be a great event. And, uh, Dan, I, I've, I would like to encourage um, state affiliates and chapters as they have their spring meetings, um, whether it be a chapter meeting or a state meeting. I mean, talk to people about the walk and, and get get people involved. And this year, pretty soon, you're going to be announcing that a new website is available. We're going to be able to see what we're actually doing with our teams on that website, aren't we? That's right. Each uh, We're launching a new website through um, DonorPerfect, which is the database we use uh, with our ACB uh, Minnesota office. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be great. It's going to be able to give us real-time reporting. And each team is going to get their own web page where they can display pictures and keep a running total of how their team is doing. Uh, so it's going to be uh, a really, uh, I think, in real improvement for us from a website standpoint and really, uh, I think, foster competition between the different teams. That'll be great. That will be so fun. Now, we have another area, completely different area, that has had its first um, beginnings last year and will be recognizing people this year as part of that program. Tell us about this new program. Sure, this is our annual giving societies uh, with the direction of our development director, Tom Tobin. We worked uh, and the board approved uh, a set of annual giving societies. So we have four levels. Uh, the first level is for is called the leader level, leadership level, and that's for folks that uh, donate between $250 and $999 a year to ACB. And then the second level is the advocate level, and that's between a thousand and twenty-four ninety-nine. Mm-hmm. And then we have the champions level, which is between twenty-five hundred and forty-nine ninety-nine. And then over five thousand is our highest level, which is the president society. Mm-hmm. And last year we um, we had a hundred and ninety-three uh, individuals uh, or couples 
both inside of our ACB membership and our extended family that reached one of these statuses. And it was really an exciting event for our first time. Uh, these 193 individuals and couples donated over $201,000 to the American Council of the Blind. Wow. So it just shows you, uh, you know, the kind of spirit that we have within our membership and our friends and family of, of ACB. One of the significant things that jumped out at me when I saw those figures was that the people who were in the first two levels um, that combined, that first level raised a significant, a very, very significant amount of that $200,000. And it it was, to me, an, an excellent example of how, whether it's a large gift or a small gift, it can all go together to create something that's really good. Um, that's right. And, and I think what was really exciting for me is, is exactly what you're saying, that, you know, we always think and talk about the big donor, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the big angel that's going to come and help us, and we'd love to have those. But it's a lot of people just giving from their heart that when it all adds up, it, it, it equals up to a very significant amount of money. So I would encourage folks either through uh, the online donations or the MMS program, uh, the Angels Memorial Tribute. There's all kinds of ways that you can reach out and make a donation to ACB, and it really is making a difference. And... To clarify, those giving societies, um, the the donations that people make through MMS, through does the walk count in those? The walk does count. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when a person participates in a, in the walk or um, MMS or another uh, some of the other fundraisers, mm -hmm. they count toward that giving society. Um, there are a few things that are exceptions to that rule. Um, I think the auctions that they don't they right, don't the count. The summer in that. auctions, the holiday auctions, right. don't really count in those numbers. It's really from a kind of an IRS tax standpoint. Yes. What yes. Uh, the Minneapolis office uh, considers to be a pure um, donation, pure gift. Pure so gift. you don't yeah. get into well, how much of this counts and how much doesn't it's it's um we just simply do not have the capability of at this point of being able to split those kinds of things up so um you know if you're if you're participating in mms if you're if you're participating in the walk if you prefer to just make a one-time donation if you a uh, person contributes in response to one of our direct mail letters or whatever those all count Toward, yeah. uh, toward these societies. And um, how are people recognized for that, Dan? Well, uh, glad you asked that, Carla. We, for the first time this year, now that we've gone through one year of the uh, annual Giving Society programs, we are going to have a reception at the convention in Dallas, uh, and we're going to honor those that have reached one of the Giving Societies. So it should be exciting. We'll have our officers and board members there and and have them reach out and thank uh, our friends and members inside and outside of ACB who have really given 
to help uh, to help our organization. That that's just it's such an exciting thing to to actually you know to to recognize people who who are sometimes you know giving a lot of themselves and it doesn't it doesn't really matter if it's um if it's a person who can give a whole lot of money or a person who can give a small amount um you know that if if um you know they're obviously supporting ACB and so it's it's great to have a mechanism whereby they can be can be recognized um there's there's one more um, thing that I'd like to just touch on for a couple of minutes. People are going to begin hearing about a legacy society. Tell us what that is. Sure. Um, the, the board approved um, our first uh, legacy giving society. And this is for, um, as Tom Tobin, our development director, says, many times what can be the most transformative gift that someone can make and that is either in their last will and testament or uh, you know in a in a giving structure where you recognize ACB uh, and what we wanted to do is <laughs> not wait till those folks were gone but really have an opportunity to thank them while they're still with us and so we're forming the legacy giving society and it's going to be administered by Tom Tobin, uh, our development director, and Melanie Brunson, our executive director. And people have an ability to contact them and just acknowledge with some brief bits of information, your, you know, their name and just that they have uh, recognized us in their last will and testament. And at that point in time, we will uh, enroll them into the Legacy Giving Society and recognize them for their contribution to ACB. So uh, I, it's it's a fairly harmless thing, and I know a lot of us, uh, you know, that's a, that's a real hard personal decision of what you want to do uh, with your estate, but uh, what we're finding is that a lot of our membership and friends of ACB, this is a lifelong commitment that we've made to our organization, and we really care about it. And, what better way to to recognize that than uh, you know in your in your legacy gift? And and this is really an extension of something we've done for oh goodness many 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 years. And that is, if if you go back and look at the old Braille forums, you'll find a statement in every one of them that says you know if you'd like to remember ACB in your last will and testament, then contact. And but it's it in the past it's just been this statement. There it is, and you you really we really have no idea of who um, is who's out there um, you know planning to um, you know to planning to include ACB or whatever and there's no been no recognition of those people so this gives an opportunity as you said to to recognize people there's no um, there's no um, threshold above which you must be in order to be part of that society um, but it it's truly a, an opportunity to thank people for for including us in those plans it really is and I know that's that's a you know it's a hard thing for all of us to do but mm -hmm. uh, just in general I would encourage everybody to make sure you 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 plan the last will and testament it just mm -hmm. makes life 
so much better for your family at a, at a very hard time. Uh, and uh, we, we would appreciate anyone who would, uh, you know, give a thought towards uh, our ACB family. Right. Well, we appreciate you being with us. I hope, Dan, that we can have a segment, a feature on RDC activities uh, every couple of months because there's so much going on in that resource development committee. Um, I was just thinking the other night when we had a meeting uh, how really diverse that committee has become. It's just amazing how it has grown and all of the things that are happening. So um, I hope you'd be willing to visit with us every every couple of months. Oh, Carla, I'd love to. And it, it, we, we, we'd love to spread the word of the Resource <laughs> Development Committee. We probably have uh, 12 to 15 different programs going on now. And five or six different subcommittees, and uh, mm -hmm. we've got a really excited, exceptional group of people, and I'd love the opportunity to come back, uh, either myself or maybe Dan Dillon, our co-chair, and, and talk to you on a, you know every other month basis. That'd be wonderful. That'd be great. Well, let's get out there and get those walk teams all signed up and make that 25-team goal and um, and raise 40000 this year. I, I, my, my money says we can make that. I sure hope we do. That'll be a great thing for ACB. Very good. Look out for those Florida hurricanes. They'll be blown <laughs> into town. All right. Thank you, Dan. All right. Have a good day. Okay. Bye -bye. The Kentucky Council of the Blind and its chapters provide information, advocacy, activities, and telephone support for people who are blind or visually impaired. Join our email list, visit our website, and, of course, listen to Soundprints each and every week. To learn more, call us at 502-895-4598, drop us an email at kcb at igloo.com, or visit our website at kentucky-acb.org. Page three. I'm sitting at the United Crescent Hill Ministries at the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Friday Activities, and Dave Trevino has just come in from the Reader's Theater over at the American Printing House for the Blind. And Dave, tonight we you all had your first performance of a number of plays that were written by blind people. So tell us about the activity and about writing those plays. Well, it was uh, we had uh, we had four plays submitted. Uh, I think three of them were done uh, in their totality, and one of them, there was a synopsis paragraph written covering the first two acts, and they did the last uh, 30 minutes or so of it. Uh, that we had a murder mystery, we had a, uh, a comedy about guide dogs called Dogalogue. It was about a talking guide dog. That must have been Rick Rodericks. That was Rick Rodericks. Okay. Uh, uh, Madeline Lloyd from uh, KSB wrote. I've forgotten the name of the play, but it was it was it had to do with a with a guy who was dealing with schizophrenia. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, and how he was hearing voices in his head, and mm -hmm. everybody was making fun of him. But he had one friend that stuck by him, and it was it was. A real moving. Uh, now, is she a student? Yes, she's a student. Oh my goodness! And she was she was in the Curious Savage, which was last year's offering at uh, the Reader's Theater. Okay. And uh, 
Right now, you wrote a play too. Right? Yes, I did. The message that wasn't there. It was. Uh, it's a murder mystery about uh, a guy who happens to be blind who works at a radio station. When when uh, a vending stand operator is murdered in the Oak Hills courthouse, the police call on Jack Rondell to translate his business and personal Braille files into print, mm -hmm. and he discovers that a that uh, as the guy was dying, he left a message, a coded message on his computer. And he's in the process of figuring out the code, but the news director of, his, of the radio station where he works offers, you know, he wants a scoop, a big scoop, and he didn't, doesn't care how he gets it. So he edits together uh, words from a conversation that he and Jack had and changes the meaning around so that Jack, in fact, has discovered the, the killer's identity. Oh. Or, and so Jack becomes the target for murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sounds good. Now, who wrote the, the last, were there four plays, you there said? There were four plays. Uh -huh. uh, Barbara Henning wrote a play about meeting the Shakespearean character Hero in Much Ado About Nothing. And she did both parts, and the transition from one part to another was nothing short of miraculous. It sounded like there were two people up there. Well, Barbara is, um, for those who know her, um, Barbara, can she can sing tenor or she can sing soprano. And so when you say that she could transition from one character to another, I, that that brings that to mind because she really has... She can do great things with her voice. Well, it was it was wonderful. We got one more performance, and that's uh, Saturday the 14th at 1 p.m. Mm -hmm. And there were pretty good many people there. To, the room was almost full. Mm -hmm. uh, did we, they do it downstairs? Yes, again? they did. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And we read from reading stands mm -hmm. uh, instead of sitting at tables, and it was mm -hmm. uh, didn't take quite as much room. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, and you all been practicing now. You all started writing these plays last fall. Well, right? my 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 play was uh, an adaptation of a story mm -hmm. uh, that I have written, one of six Jack Rondell stories. Anyway, and and I converted it to a play, and uh -huh. uh, so we yeah we've been working on them for some time, and mm -hmm. and, and then of course after you wrote them, then you had to practice the production. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that it sounds exciting, and we're glad that you came on over to the cards and crafts and so on so that we could find out how things went tonight. Sounds like they were wonderful on a rainy Friday night. They were, and like, uh, like macaroni and cheese, the play yes. will be better the second day. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free-of-charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot APH dot org. Page four. 
Well, some people have been playing cards throughout the evening, and some have just left to go home, and I am now sitting with Deanna Scoggins, who has been working on some crafts this evening, and we have been talking about how you go get into different kinds of work and so on. And Deanna, you happen to be late this evening because the second Friday of the month is a time that you play regularly at one of the, um, I guess we call it a retirement home in, in this area. So tell us how you got involved with playing for nursing homes. And sometimes it's pay, sometimes it's volunteer, but how do you go about lining up all these places to play? Well, I had started playing at one nursing home in 2011 a friend called and said would I would I come play for one time and I did it that and then she said could could I play the next Sunday and I did that and then she said would you play lunch every Sunday and I thought it would be three or four months and it's I'm it's still happening it's 2015 and I still now it's turned into three or four years and so now it's every other Sunday though start but that's okay um and that's a paying job, and that's right? That's a paying one. Mm-hmm. And then, so last summer I thought, you know, I'm learning all this music, and I really want to share, and it really does. The people really enjoy it, and maybe I could do these other two nursing homes. That well, one of them was one where my mother had been, and another one was one where I'd done a seminary field placement thir- oh, a long time ago in the 70s, and however many years ago that is. And um, so I just, somehow I just knew those two phone numbers, and I called them up, and I asked for the activities director, and I just said, I play the piano, and if you ever need somebody, could you put me on the list? And she said, yes, but how about next Thursday? <laughs> so it's like, okay. So I, one of those happened to be a signature nursing home. That was the name of it. And I said, are there any other signature nursing homes? And she said, yes, there are three more. And so I called them and said the same thing, and I got to play it at one of them, and then the Masonic Home. So there are actually five that I play at every other week. Well, the Masonic Home is once a month, and the others are every other week. And so it's a really good outlet. It keeps me practicing a little bit. Maybe I've gotten a little better at playing the piano. But, but it just gives me a time to share, and it makes, I, I think the people enjoy it. They all sing along, and they request songs, and they request Tennessee Waltz every week no matter what. <laughs> and, um, you know, hey, they didn't today. That was good. Um, but anyway, and so we, we just have a good time. A couple of them I just play, <laughs> and some of them say, well, well sing a song. And so I sing some. I don't sing every song. But uh, it, it, that's really fun. And um, it's different. You play a song differently when you play it and sing it mm-hmm. than you do if you just play it. Because when you just play the thing, you have to make sure you're playing the melody the whole time and stuff. So it's a little bit different. But it, it really has made me uh, think a lot about how I play the piano, even by ear and some by music. And I... I've really listened to a lot of oldie stations and created lots of oldie stations on Pandora and uh, gotten a lot of music from that. Just remember some from my mother, and that's been kind of fun, just connecting all that music. And And if you don't know the lyrics, where do you find them? Oh, lyrics.com. 
<laughs> yes, they have everything, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, and it's just or A to Z lyrics, sometimes Metro lyrics. But anyway, I just Google it, and then whatever comes up first, I do it. But um, I really have enjoyed it, and uh, I will continue to do it. And when these folks tell me that, um, you know, they're tired or they can't, uh, you know, they want somebody else or something, I will find another one because there's lots of places to play. How do you get to where you need to be? Oh, Tark 3 or, or, or Tark 3 usually. Which is our paratransit which is here our in paratransit. And some of the places don't, I mean, they, they'll pay just the Tark 3 fare, but that's wonderful because, you know, that, they don't have to worry about it. They'll, sometimes they'll say, well, what do you charge? And I usually say a cup of coffee. And, uh, so then they'll say, well, do you want your, how are you going to get there? And I'll say, well, type three. And then they'll say, well, how about if we pay that, that and a cup of coffee? And it's like, well, that's great, you know. So every, it's a win-win situation for everybody. And, uh, and it, it gives you an opportunity to also let people know that, um, you know, blind and visually impaired people are out there doing things. The other thing and, is, and can show up when they're supposed to be there. Right. The other thing is I do tell people about, um, uh, the American Council of the Blind sometimes if I if they ask and they do and I get to tell them about guide dogs because I always take Virginia and they want to pet I take the harness off a lot of times I take the harness off and the people really like that mm -hmm. and some of them know my know Virginia's name and they don't know mine but that's okay <laughs> they'll, they'll certainly remember they her say, name for they remember Virginia and her owner <laughs> Or, yes. Hi, Virginia, and the piano player. That's what they usually say. Yeah. Yes. Well, now, sometimes they might not have a piano, so what do you do then? I have taken my keyboard. Mm -hmm. That's how one nursing home started. She said, well, we'd love for you to play. And it, it happened to be the one where my mother had been, so I really wanted to, to play there. And she said, we, we uh, don't have a piano that's very good. And so I said, well, how about if I bring a keyboard? And they said, oh, that would be wonderful. And so I did that a few times. And then they said, wonder if our piano is good enough because that keyboard's awfully heavy for you. And so um, that piano is okay. It's not great, but, but it's okay. And so sometimes I do take my keyboard. Now, you have played some here at United Crescent and Ministries. I, I do. Um, I call them about once every other month and they'll tell me when they can um, they can have me play and I play during their lunch hour mm -hmm. and that's a great thing because they know that you're in the council and we use the building here a lot and so it's another way that they they can connect with us yeah they're they're really good because they sing all the songs and they they like for me to play songs from the 60s and 70s and two, and not just the really old ones, but they like the the 60s and 70s stuff. And so that's really fun because that, that was, you know, stuff I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. And so you usually play, what, about three times a week? Every week is at least two times. Mm -hmm. And then some weeks are three. And every now and then, there's, it's, this week it was four. Well, it's, it's certainly a lot of fun, and I, I know that you enjoy it. And um, so we, we know that the second Friday of each month you're going to be coming in an hour or two late because you are playing for one of the nursing homes. Right. So, well, 
that's uh, that's neat. Thanks for sharing it all oh, with it's, us. It's fun. It's really fun. Page five. Okay. All right, Debbie. Crock-Pot macaroni and cheese. The ingredients, and the nice thing about this is there's not too many of them. Three cups of macaroni cooked, eight ounces of uh, cream cheese, eight ounce container of cream cheese, one and a half cups of either cheddar cheese, shredded cheddar cheese, or Velveeta. We've actually done a little bit of both, kind of mixed both kinds together, and it works well. Um, a can of cheddar cheese soup, just the regular size can, and then a soup can of milk, two tablespoons of butter, a teaspoon, and then a teaspoon of salt. And the recipe is to cook the macaroni for eight minutes in boiling water, add the butter and salt, drain off the water, put macaroni in crock pot, Add sour cream and cheese, the shredded cheese, and then in a small bowl, we mix the cheddar cheese soup and the milk together. Pour over macaroni, stir together, cook on low for two hours. Mm. Okay. And, and you're starting out with your macaroni already cooked? Already cooked. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Okay. And you could cook that whenever. Okay. Yeah, like you, you wouldn't have to... If you were short on time, you could cook that ahead. Set that aside. And, yeah, mm. sit it and in the fridge. And, then, when you're ready. and if you did that, if you if you had it in the fridge, holding it, like let's say you cooked it the night before or something, you might want to add a little bit of extra cooking time to it um, in the crock pot because it would be cold, you think, maybe? Pro possibly, yeah. Uh, we've never cooked it ahead of time. We've always cooked it when we're going to have it, so yeah. I've never done that it. That sounds really good. Oh, yeah. it, it's, uh, we were getting this um, frozen mac and cheese from Market Day, yeah. and I'm like, um, we won't be doing that anymore. Um, I mean, we didn't realize how, so we've tried mac to make macaroni and cheese before, but we just haven't found a good consistency, and YouTube is a wonderful place. If you're looking for a recipe, Go to YouTube because actually I think this is where we found it, mm. and we just typed in. All those cooking shows put up their videos up there. Yeah, that's a that's a good place to find recipes, and uh, and then there's there's a, a couple of sites on the um, I think recipes.com, and also I think one's called mastercook.com on the internet, but they're really busy. They're really hard to access with. Um, I mean, you have to read through so much yeah. stuff on the screen to get to the recipes. So, yeah. you know, YouTube option. Okay. Thank you, Debbie. Anybody else? Well, tell them how you fix your green beans. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. Um, Excuse me. Bill said he really likes my green beans. I recommend them. But you know. Uh, Bill said, well, he liked them because they weren't soupy. And I told him, well, the secret to not having soupy green beans is to dip them out with a slotted spoon. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, you, you can have them just as soupy as you want. You dip them out with a slotted spoon, and guess what? 
It's but all you, gone. But you know, you go to some restaurants and things, and oh they'll come in a bowl or a cup, yeah. and, yeah. and they'll have a lot of juice or liquid yeah. on them. But yeah. uh, I don't like that either. It takes up space, so you don't get as many beans. A lot of people don't cook those beans on it. And you know, if you cook your vegetables down a whole lot, you really have cooked out all the food value. So, because a lot of vitamins are, um, they just disappear the longer mm -hmm. you cook the vegetables. So, uh -huh. you're eating just basically a shell. You're, you're really not getting the vitamins that you should out of the vegetables. So, um, but with the green beans, I, I just don't, my mother used to break up the fresh green beans and cook them all day and all that stuff. And they were really good. Mm -hmm. But I just don't have time for all that. When we had the um, the library users meeting a week ago, uh, I decided we need, really didn't need, Adam wanted to go buy the little four ounce cups of green beans up at um, Lee's Famous Recipe. And I called up there and they were a dollar and a half a cup. I said, my gosh, Adam, you know, that means green beans for this group will cost almost 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to do that. So I, I just opened some cans of green beans. And I have a one of those mixtures of spices. Um, I don't even know what's in it. But I got it out of Trader Joe's, and it has no um, preservatives in it and, and no fillers. So you don't use as much. And therefore, it really is less expensive than when you buy the stuff, the same kind of thing, at Kroger or somewhere like that, um, because you use much less of it. It's almost like using a pure um, herb as opposed to, um, you know, as opposed to a powder that you get uh, with with lots of other things mixed in. So anyway, I just um, I do not drain the green beans from the can when I cook them, but I stick in about, depending on, about a pinch of this spice stuff per can. Well, now I didn't do this for the, for the green beans um, at the library users meeting, but when we went to visit my son and daughter-in-law, her green beans tasted like they'd been cooked all day long. And we said, why did you, you know, wow, these green beans are really good. What'd you put in them? Turns out she puts a tiny little bit of canola oil in her green beans. Mm -hmm. And they taste like country cooked green beans. And and see, but you don't need to add a whole bunch of stuff in there. Also, one little tiny, tiny, thin slice of the deli ham that comes in a, you know, you get it in a package and there's about 32 slices in a pound. So if you t tear up one little bitty slice in the beans, it'll flavor. Mm -hmm. You don't need a whole bunch. So, um, you know, vegetables are so simple to fix. And you just cook those on top of the stove, don't you? Yeah. Just, just in a pan? Just stick them in a... In a, pot. In, a, in a pot. Okay. You don't put them in a pan. Bill and I discussed the difference in the pot and the pan. <laughs> what, what is the difference? Well. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> well, Adam was calling everything a pan. You know, he would call a four-quart kettle a pan. I said, I said, Adam, that is not a pan. That is a pot. And so when I don't cook and I know that. So, I don't do 
So, so one night at cards, I said, Bill, if if it, if you've got this thing that you cook green beans in, what's it called? And he said, That's a pot. And I said, And you fix pancakes? What do you do pancakes in or eggs? And he said, That's a, a skillet or a pan. Now, Adam, that's the way it is. <laughs> I have a question. Has, does, can someone, has anyone uh, substituted uh, something for Korshul? For sugar? Like cyclone? Well, I like it because you use a lot of sugar. You can taste a lot of sugar when it's sort of fruit and then pepper to put in there. Okay, so you use saccharin. Yeah. Okay. All right, so Elaine uses saccharin. Now, Elaine, do you cook with that? You can't cook with it, can you? I put in my cake mixes Really? Okay. All right. So Elaine uses saccharin. Do you use it one for one for your sugar, or do you put in less? Well, no, well, like if it says a cup, like it says one cup of sugar, I'll take a half a cup of sugar. Okay. So you cut it down by 50%. Right. right. Okay. Right, Debbie, were you going to say Debbie? No, oh, about the sweetener. I was just gonna, I've never cooked, per se, like made a cake or anything like that, but this sweetener, but uh, this is called stevia, and it's an herbal sweetener. Mm-hmm. It's made out of, an, uh, there's an herb that grows, and uh, this um, stevia is made out of, Now, somebody um, came out with a cookbook. Okay. Equal. It's Was equal it an equal cookbook? Yeah. Okay, uh, an equal cookbook, and it has recipes uh, for cooking. And Elaine, you have it what? I have it on cassette, but I took it out to one anchors was recording things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it was put out in Braille, too. Yeah. I think we've got a couple of Braille copies. Mm-hmm. Right. I like equal. That's the main one that I use. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of It's one liquid my daughter bought. I don't know what it is. It's a liquid, but it's uh, pretty good. But you can also bake with that equal real good. Okay. All right. And another option for the stevia the thing about stevia is it's not man-made. It is a natural. Um, and yeah, it's an herbal sugar. A- another version of that is xylitol. And the, what makes the, they're actually sugars. They are, they are sugars. And, and so as a result, it doesn't spike your blood sugar. Oh, oh I need somebody to write down that so I can have it because I'm a diabetic and I have to stay away yeah. from the the sugars. Yeah. And I haven't heard of that one before. Yeah, and, and you can buy stevia and xylitol and those kinds of things too off of Amazon or, you know, they're getting more popular. Um, and I, I bought some xylitol just to see what it was like. I bought a big container. Well, she surely did. And I, <laughs> I mean, she bought enough to. And I, 
Probably bought enough for the neighborhood. I well, think so. I did, yes. Dude. Everyone can try some. She goes all in. But, I, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, you, it does not lump up like sugar. Is it very expensive? It's, I mean, it's not outrageous. Mm -hmm. um, if you buy, because you don't need that much of it, you know, it goes a long way. Now, one thing you do have to pay attention to, though, be very careful, is if, if you get the xylitol variety, I don't know about the others, there are several other brands that are basically stevia, um, but the xylitol is very poisonous for dogs, so you have to be real careful. You don't want to get that if you have a dog in the house, um, in case you were to spill some on the floor or whatever. I, I want to go. I want to go back to one thing that Sue Ellen said, and then we're going to stop because we have lots of other things to do. Sue Ellen brought up something that I wanted to follow up on, and that was how she does her vegetables in the microwave. Uh, there was a, cu a couple of points while she was thinking about it, and, and a point I needed. I was planning to make too when I was talking about the green beans. It's basically I'm doing on the stove what she's doing in the microwave. Um, but when you drain off your 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 liquid from your can um, get you a a, a a kettle a pot <laughs> not a pan <laughs> <laughs> and when you when you have a liquid or little bits of the vegetables left over put them in there and just you know let it accumulate for the week and at the end of the week you've got a nice vegetable soup base and, you know, if you've got a half a package of something, you can put it in there. Um, there's no right and wrong. It's kind of like Patty's casserole. Um, last week, two weeks ago when the snow, or last week it was when the snow came, um, you know, that, that was a good night to have stew. And while we had a half a bag of this and a half a can of that and a little bit of, you know, vegetable um, sauce left over from where we'd made something and, so it became stew, and we had two meals out of that stew. Mm -hmm. So it's a great way to save money, and at the same time, remember that all the vitamins that cook out of those vegetables are in that juice. Also, if, if you have a choice, which is healthier, canned or frozen? Frozen. Mm -hmm. Frozen. Well, it is? Yes. Yeah. Frozen is far healthier. The can is loaded down with salt. And if you think that the taste of the frozen vegetables is a little flat, um, that's where you can use that, you know, that herbal, that, that spice blend I talked about before. You may have a little, sometimes they come, you can get them with different stuff in them, like that may come with um, a little onion, a little garlic, a little of this and that, and you just put a pinch or two in. Flavorall is one of those um, things. Or you can get uh, you can get chicken rub or right. poultry rub or beef rub that you would put on meat when you grill it, and but it it works just as well on vegetables or uh, thing. It, it'll add the but flavor. Those have, so. usually have a, quite a bit of salt. You have to be a little careful. Yeah. Um, and because that tends to make your blood pressure go up. So you watch them just a little bit. You don't need a whole lot, but it can take that flatness of, of the frozen foods. But they're way out there. And the other thing that um, a lot of people say, whether it's true or not, I don't know. You know, some of the cans are lined with a very thin coat of plastic. And they claim, don't know if it's true, but they claim that some of the 
PVCs from the plastic get in that food because the canning process heats it up, you know? And uh, so that's why the frozen food is supposed to be better for you because it's not in this, um, you know, it's not the, in other words, it's, it's, it, the process is different. When Adam and I got married, I learned that there was something that was quite valuable. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> there were two things that Adam thinks are just absolutely the, the prized possessions in life. And one is rubber bands. He doesn't like paper clips. So rubber bands. And the other are bread ties. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> bread ties. You know, Adam, here's a bread tie. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but, but they're great for closing up bags, you know, frozen food bags. Um, rubber bands are good. You can just fold them down and put a rubber band around. I like rubber bands better, I mm -hmm. think, just because they're slip, easier. And slip a little braille tag under it so you know what it is, if you want. We never managed to do that. It's kind of, you know. Some of the, a lot of them, I think you could kind of tell what they are, and especially only if you have a couple different kinds. It's a little hard to feel the difference in broccoli and cauliflower. Well, yeah, but I could see that maybe. Or possibly corn and peas might be another one that might be kind of tricky. Yeah, except peas are, are perfectly round and corn is a little squishy. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's true. And lima beans are flat. Well, I'm not. Oh, Debbie's done a lima bean. <laughs> I put lima beans in that stew last week, and he said, next time... Don't put in so many lima beans. <laughs> I can tolerate lima beans and mixed vegetables, but that's about it. Oh, they're nasty. Oh, they are not. <laughs> Do you like them, uh, Priscilla? I love lima beans. Priscilla and I are going to have lima beans one night. You all are not going to get any. Well, we don't want any. I love them. <laughs> I always said I was the basic vegetable. I mean, I like peas and corn and green beans. And I can tolerate mixed vegetables every once in a while. And and I will tell you what makes the stew really good, but you all won't believe it. What? A can of spinach. Wow. Right, I don't understand. <laughs> you put that in there and you don't ever know the difference. And the other thing we did last week that was really good is we put pearl barley in it. And that was wonderful. Now yeah, that right. I can believe. Barley. Barley. Uh, uh, barley. Instead of corn. Yeah. Frozen spinach isn't bad to and put like in lasagna or something like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's not bad. The difference in barley and a lot of other grains is the vitamins go all the way through the grain instead of just being in a shell. And you know, if you're using white flour or you're eating just white bread, all the, they claim it's enriched, but stuff is never as good when they take the when they take the vitamins out and then try to stick them back in as it is to eat the, you know, the, the natural stuff. And so things like wheat and rice, when you're eating the white flour or white rice, it's, it's got almost all the food value taken out of it. Well, I've, I've pretty much kind of found that if it is good for you, it doesn't taste good. And if it tastes good, it's probably not good for you. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's about right. right. It is. It's a project. They need to fix that. <laughs> they not going to. If they, they, they make healthy food taste good, then people will eat it by the double handle. Carla, here's this recipe if you want to keep it. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll make, we'll make some little, uh, I, I was thinking it'd be kind of fun to have a, um, have, kind of make our little recipe collection as we go along. 
Who knows? You know, we've, I've got to write it down, but we've also tried lasagna in the crock pot network as well, too. Oh, now that would be interesting. So maybe you could bring that next time. Page 6, the Sound Prince Calendar. Unless otherwise indicated, you can join conference calls listed on this calendar by dialing 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. Bluegrass Council of the Blind Activities are held at the BCB office located at 1093 South Broadway, Suite 1230 in Lexington. You do need to register for BCB events and activities. Their phone number is 859-259-1834. The Greater Louisville Council of Blind invites everyone to join us each Friday for education, technology, dinner, games, and crafts. Education and technology is from 3.30 to 6. Get help with iPhone and iPad apps. Grow your family tree. Learn to sign your name or write print numbers. And get tips on living with low vision. There's a different special program topic or speaker each week during the discussion time at 4.15. Dinner is at 6.15 and it's $5 a person. Then comes games, crafts, and other fun activities from 7 to 10. GLCB Fridays are at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up or check on weekly programs. March 20. Bingo is happening during games and craft time at this GLCB Friday. It's $2 to play bingo. Be sure to call ahead to sign up. On March 21, GLCB goes out for a dine-out 4.30 to 7 p.m. at Buckhead's Mountain Grill, Garner Lane Shopping Center, 3020 Bardstown Road in Louisville. Call GLCB at 895-4598 to make reservations ahead of time. On March 22, ACB Families will hold its monthly membership meeting at 9 p.m. Give us a phone call to check on the conference call number. On March 23, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky invites everyone to attend their conference call meeting at 7 p.m. on the KCB conference line. On March 25, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold its VIP meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington. Lunch and program on independent living will be presented by Jenny Ward from the Kentucky Office for the Blind. Call BCB for more information and reservations. March 27 is the next GLCB Friday, and a jam session is included during the games and crafts time. Bring your talent, your guitar, your keyboard, even your kazoo, and join our Friday night jam. Music after dinner, games and crafts also available. March 27 to 29 is the short-term weekend retreat for visually impaired Kentucky students in grades 6 to 12 at the Kentucky School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Call the school at 502-897-1583 for additional information. On March 31, BCB invites you to its next Demonstrating Assistive Technology and Accessibility Training from 5 to 6 p.m. at the BCB office. Be sure to call to register. On April 1, the KCB PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. on the conference line. On April 2, ACB Lions will hold its April conference call for Lions around the country, share ideas and ways to be involved in our local clubs, 9 p.m., 
Call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. April 3 is a GLCB Friday. April 5 is the committee meeting night for April for GLCB committees all on the conference line, advocacy at 7, education and technology at 8, and activities at 9. On April 9, Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will meet by conference call at 7 p.m. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. On April 10, the Louisville East Lions Club will hold its chili supper from 4.30 to 7 p.m. at St. Leonard's Church on Zorn Avenue in Louisville. It's $5 per person and that includes chili, hot dogs, dessert, and drink. Come out and support Louisville East Lions Club. Also on April 10 is the GLCB Friday. Listen for upcoming announcement about a schedule change so we can support the Louisville East Chili Supper. On April 11 is the GLCB board meeting on the conference line at 11 a.m. April 13 is the Bluegrass Council of the Blind Community outing from 5 to 6 p.m. April 14 is the next Savvy Chapter meeting, 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. And on April 17 is the GLCB Quarterly Meeting, Program, Dinner, Elections, and Bargain Table. It replaces the game night that week. It's $5 per person and more details will be coming soon. And looking ahead to May... In June, for some significant items, remember to mark your calendars for the GLCB Derby Party on Saturday, May 2, the GDUKY Guide Dog Eye Exams on Friday, May 15, and the KSB Alumni Reunion on Friday and Saturday, June 5 and 6. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at igloo, dot com. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.